You know, each guest we have on Background Check is so special and important, and I don't take any of them for granted. It's just an honor to speak with them. And today that honor is magnified because I get to speak with an elected official. But it's not just any official. It's my District 109's representative. And he's on the Corrections Committee down in Austin as well. I met him at a leadership event uh, right after he was elected. And we've been friends ever since. Come on. Let's do a background check. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It, sh it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and, and not be afraid to say, go, go ahead, check my background. My name is Jaden Gum, and this is is background check you already know let's go you can check my background i'm a forgiving felon so tell them that i won't back down now you can bet i won't live in regret it's time to earn some respect you are tuning in to background check hey everyone welcome to background check podcast brought to you by forgiven felons helping people with the past realize their future i'm your host jaydan gum and the founder of forgiven felons and I just want to remind you before we get started on today's show, it's a great show, but uh, if you have a loved one who needs a transitional house to parole to in the Dallas area, look us up on the web, ForgivenFelons.org. Go to the house page. You can print out an application and send it to your loved one. He can fill it out and send it back into us, and we'll take it from there. Uh, if you miss us on the Huckabee Show, please uh, check out the link on the website as well, our documentary forgiven felons is on roku tv and that was done by sagu cinema southwestern assembly of god university in waxachie texas produced by rob price and a slew of other people you got to go see it uh north texas giving day is coming up september 17th or just a few weeks away from the one day of the year that we really ask you to donate to our ministry we're trying to raise anywhere from 30 to forty thousand dollars we really need 50, but we're, we got money set aside from a foundation for welding equipment to start the welding class. We just need a place to do it. We need some money to get into that place. We need new refrigerators. We need some repairs done on the car that we may be giving away that night. We're going to have a rally that night from 630 to 830 at the Forgiven Felons House. Social distancing, mask, everything, but we're going to have some good food. So if you want to come out um, to to the Forgiven Felons House, we're going to have Terry Fancher, former rocker turned, you know, Christian singer. He's an amazing entertainer. He's going to be – he also goes into prisons a lot. He's going to be out there uh, playing some tunes for us. We're going to hear from some of our former residents and current residents. We'll, we're going to Facebook Live it that night as well. But we need your help. We need your help uh, that night. And uh, if you want to give before then – Feel free. Go to the donate page on ForgivenFellows.org. We could use donations at any time. And as always, if you would like to sponsor an episode or the whole show, you'll get shout-outs before, after the episode on our website. So please, if you would like to promote your organization, your company, whatever, if you just want to donate and be a part of the show, we would love for, uh, for you to be able to do that and give you some shout-outs, all right? So uh, just message me, email me, jdangum at forgivenfelons.org, or go to the website, the contact page, and get my phone number. Okay, so today's guest, 
Representative Carl Sherman, our first elected official on the show. And I'm excited, man. I've, I've met him uh, shortly after he was elected. I was taking a Leadership Southwest class, and he was our speaker for our lunch, and he was just amazing. And to know that he, a local official within arm's reach, is on the Corrections Committee down in Austin makes it even more special. I just love it. Uh, he's a dear friend. He's introducing some bills that will uh, protect inmates, that will protect parolees. He is a all-around great person to have on your side when you're having to navigate life with a background check. So we had a, we had a great conversation. He's also a pastor, and you'll hear him talk about God, and you'll hear him talk about all kinds of things. We get into what's wrong with our criminal justice system. We talk about how we can make our system better. And at the end, I asked him if he had all power to make one change without anybody stopping him, what would that be? And so uh, that's toward the end. So you got to listen to the, all, the, all, the whole episode to hear it. So let's get this interview started. I'm excited. Representative Carl Sherman, welcome to Background Check Podcast. Well, thank you, Jay. I appreciate the invitation. I've been looking forward to being here. I tell you, you know, uh, I've lived in DeSoto most of my life since I've been, I've been out of prison 14 years now. Um, Praise God. And after I, I had a parole to my mom and dad's house in Cedar Hill, but two years to the day, April 18, 2008, I married my, my wife now, Jessamy. And wow. we only lived in Duncanville for just a little bit, uh, I think nine months in, in an apartment complex, a brand new apartment complex there at 67 in, in Maine, uh, right by... Uh, uh, LA Fitness, and in fact, they, they said no to me at first because I'm a mm -hmm. felon, mm -hmm. and uh, they said we don't let felons live in our apartment complex, and and right then was when when the Holy Spirit said, remember that day in prison, and there was one day in prison where I said, all right, God, I'm a, you want me to do all this stuff, but there's this word felon attached to my name the rest of my life. Can you make it go away? And he mm -hmm. said, no, I want you to embrace it but don't, don't be identified by it. And I was like, all right, well, I don't know what that means. And so he said, from this day forward, the word felon is a noun. He took me to English class. Yeah. He said, the word felon is a noun. You can't change the meaning of a noun, but you can put an adjective in front of it hmm. and change the perspective of that noun. You know, and, and he kind of gave me the example of hair. You know, hair is a, a noun. For me and you, it's a non-existent noun. <laughs> but... Um, but it's a noun. You don't know what to think about hair until you start putting adjectives in front of it. Brown hair, long hair, curly hair. That adjective right. changes the way you look at that noun. And so the Holy Spirit said, today you're gonna, I'm going to put an adjective in front of your name, felon, the rest of your life. And you're going to be, you're going to look at that word differently than you have, you know, in the past. And so, yeah. so he said, from this day forward, don't call yourself a felon. You're a forgiven felon and that adjective is mm. going to change the way mm. you and everybody else looks at you so don't don't try to hide the past yeah embrace it and use it as leverage to advance the kingdom through testimony so wow. that day at the apartment complex i started to walk out because they said no because you're a felon and he said turn around and ask for a supervisor long story mm. short a month later the vice president of operations and that property management company called me and said we don't ever do this, but we're going to break our own rules for you and your new bride and let y'all live in our apartments. Wow. And it turned out to be 
horrible apartments. They were new, a new construction, but they were horrible. We wanted to move out nine months later. Really? But I, I, I think God just wanted to show us that, look, I'm, I'm going to be in your life, and you're going to find favor as long as you see yourself as a forgiven felon and not just a felon. So anyway, long story short, um, we, we moved to DeSoto. We've been there ever since now, since 2009. But I grew up in DeSoto. And Great. so, I mean, most of my almost 50 years have been in DeSoto. And so um, I've watched you turn the city around. And, 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 um, and I, it's an honor to sit here. I ran into you at, at, at some leadership conferences or Leadership Southwest. Yes. Ran into you there when you first got elected um, or after you first got elected. And then you had the Hope Summit, which has happened earlier this year. And I almost cried when I saw the advertisement because it's the first one. And nobody does, nobody does prison criminal justice conferences. They just don't. You know, you're not going to get a big following there. And so when you did that and I saw the panels and the speakers and people you're going to have and just, and you called it hope, you called it hope summit. And it's about, you know, our criminal justice system and how we can make it better. And, and I really loved hearing you speak. One thing you spoke about at that hope summit, I'll never forget. You said, we got to get, we got to get criminal justice, right? We didn't even get it right back when we only had two choices, Jesus <laughs> or Barabbas. That's right. You said that, and I, that, that has stuck with me for a long time. And so that's the reason you're here, because Background Check Podcast is all about anybody and everybody, whether they have inspiration, motivation, or information that helps us, us that are affected by the background check, navigate our new life. And, um, and so that's why you're here, because you are on, uh, well, I'll, I'll let you introduce yourself. I'm going to shut up now and let you just talk about your position, you know, uh, your former mayor, but you know, I know you're a pastor and just tell us, give us a little bit of background of you and, uh, and what you're doing to help all of us that have this background check on the rest of our lives. Well, Jay Gum, uh, thank you first for your vision uh, to do this. Uh, I, I know that uh, many women and men would run away uh, from such a daunting challenge uh, because there is a sort of a pejorative, uh, uh, I, I think, uh, connotation associated with the word felon. Yeah. But when you shared your story in regards to uh, the apartment and applying uh, for the apartment uh, with your new bride, it made me realize at that moment uh, the label felon is really uh, something that we all uh, carry, uh, whether it be physically uh, carnal or spiritually. Yeah, and so, so many are spiritual felons. Uh, Paul said he is a chief of sinners. Uh, but it's how you, as you said, that adjective yeah. that goes with it, whether or not uh, someone can transcend above uh, that that is holding us all back. Right. Uh, I, you know, I, my name is Carl Sherman. I'm your state representative, proudly Ooh, serving at District 109. 109 yes, and so uh, I, you know, never uh, uh, actually saw myself in this office, but God has a way of opening doors for you. Uh, I am uh, a former mayor as well as a former city manager uh, and uh, have enjoyed uh, serving the people uh, 
publicly. I've always been involved, it seems, civically. And uh, Rotary uh, president, past Rotary president, past chamber uh, chair, uh, Best Southwest chair. And I guess uh, in all of these positions, whether it's city manager in Ellis County or Dallas County or mayor, uh, I've always had the fortune of usually being the youngest in those capacities yeah, yeah. Uh, or, uh, well, always the first African-American. And I know that uh, at, to this point, uh, serving as your state representative, uh, the Lord has uh, given me uh, favor, uh, as you mentioned earlier in regards to yourself, uh, that you have been able to, to uh, achieve the things that you yeah. have been doing. because. In the end, it's what you do for others, I believe, yes. uh, that will determine uh, your outcome. You know, I, I think that uh, too many live for the short term and not realizing that we are all going to live forever. Yeah. Uh, and so we are essentially walking each other home. Uh, now, where that home is yeah. will be determined so by good. how we live. And I know that you can't get into heaven carrying baggage. Right. And so our system, our criminal justice system, in my opinion, uh, provides and in, uh, places a lot of baggage on people that we have no right to do so. Wow. Uh, if God can forgive us, uh, then who are we uh, to uh, attach these things? And he says to us that how you forgive others is how yeah. I will forgive you. Yeah. So. Now, serving first term, completing the first term of my service in the House, uh, I have served uh, and I currently serve on appropriations, uh, which manages uh, or appropriates the $250 billion uh, state budget. We have the largest uh, budget. And uh, I serve on House admin, uh, which determines the budget uh, for all the committees, uh, as well as protocol and uh, uh, the procedures and policies for uh, the entire house, how we will conduct business. But the committee uh, that I am, my heart is in, because my head is in uh, budgeting right. uh, and policies and protocol, uh, but my heart is in corrections. Most representatives serve on two committees. Yeah. Uh, I have three. And I'm grateful for those three assignments uh, because when I came into the House, we had 145,000 souls uh, incarcerated yeah. in our 104 prisons across the state. 75 don't have air conditioning in the mm -hmm. housing units. Uh, 12 of those are women uh, prisons and 11 are privately held of those 104. Yeah. Now, by the grace of God, uh, we are closing two prisons, and we will have an announcement about another uh, prison closing. We are down to 137,000 uh, folks that are incarcerated. And I just believe that a system uh, that was started uh, the way that our criminal justice system and TDCJ was started, uh, you know, if, if your foundation you're, you're, uh, I think I understand you're, you've got experience in construction. Yep. Uh, you know that if your foundation is not right, yep. uh, then the structure can't be no right. No matter what you build on it. Exactly. And, and so, uh, you know, uh, a, a gentleman I had the opportunity to meet during session, 
I knew uh, not many of these individuals who would come and testify. Uh, his name was Reginald Moore. He passed away, I uh, just found out, Friday. Uh, mm. I called his, uh, his uh, widow uh, yesterday to express my condolences. I only met him through testifying. Uh, he's out of Sugarland, Texas. And Reginald Moore uh, uncovered uh, a lot of the injustices of our system yeah. and how we went from Emancipation Proclamation to convict leasing. Yeah. That uh, the United States was complicit in the continuation of slavery as we yeah. have today yeah. via the 13th Amendment. And so uh, many of these uh, individuals, young boys, 12, 13, 14 years old and older, black males in general, over 80% of the prison system at that time was African-American yeah. males. Uh, they were incarcerated for uh, loitering vagrancy. Vagrancy, yeah. And I so, mean, but yeah. that's the thing. You know, when you watch uh, documentaries like 13th Amendment, it really opens right. your eyes to all, that, all the way that happened. And that blew me away when, I mean, because, yeah, we're excited that, uh, what, half a million slaves were free? Yeah. But they had no homes. That's right. And then all of a sudden, you legislate crimes. That's right. That put them back in the same position they were they were just freed from. But now you make it legal again, to and you and you lease them you lease them back to the plantation owners they were working at to begin with. That. Yeah. It it when I first when I first opened my eyes to all that how that came about it just it blew me away, and uh, you know but I mean to know that legal slavery slavery with our prison system still happens. That's, that's exactly know? right. And, and I would argue it's more pernicious than yes. slavery itself yes. because at least with slavery, those slave owners, though they were cruel and inhumane, and some would even rape yeah. the women yeah. and have children and enslave. And I can't imagine you would enslave your own children. Right. Uh, you know, and, and we are affected by their yeah. children, their grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren. We have all been affected yeah. by this sin. And so, you know, as you said, uh, Jay, and most people are not even aware of this, uh, you know, the state, when it says property of the state of Texas, yeah. property of the state of Mississippi, of the state of Alabama, the states then began to, because it's now legalized slavery, uh, to lease those individuals out to the very plantation owners right. where they used to be slaves, but the system was worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so we still have that today. And, and now when they ended the uh, convict leasing in about 1910, mm -hmm. uh, then uh, those plantations... They benefited because the states then acquired, bought those plantations yep. and then used those plantations today. Many of the prisons are former plantations, plantations yeah. and they just call them now farms. Right. And so it's slavery yeah. by another and name. A lot of people don't understand that when you say the wind farm, the Ellis farm. And when we say the names of the units, we call them, we say farm after that. That's right. You know, and that's right. That's, I mean, that's exactly what they are. Yeah. And, and there is an African proverb that says to name something is to define it, mm. bring it down to size and make it yours. You mentioned Ellis. You know, he was one of the partners yeah. to contract about a third of the 
uh, prisoners, yeah. former slaves, mm. into this bondage. And so, you know, uh, my prayers go to uh, Reginald Moore's family and all the work that he did uh, in discovering, uncovering the graves there in Sugarland. Wow. Uh, I think it's Sugarland 95. Yeah. Uh, their bodies were so deformed. I mean, you know, these are children. Yeah. And their bodies were so deformed from the work that they were under to build our nation and have these pristine communities. Uh, and there was no mention of them in our history. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so yeah. When, when, when some other public figures, I won't name names, um, when other public figures say things like systemic racism is a myth, does that, I mean, when I hear that as a white man, it, it makes my blood boil because I've been on the side of the system where I've experienced either the privilege of not getting a, a harsher sentence as my, my black, you know, felons in crime. Um, but I've also seen, I've also seen systemic racism. And I mean, do we just give them a pass because they're, they're ignorant in the sense that they don't know what goes on beyond behind the other side of our system or... Do we really, you know, have to say no? Look, just because you don't you don't see it happening, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Yeah. I mean, because I like, I told one of my friends one time. I said we're both Christians, and I said when we're trying to convince an atheist that there is a God, the way we do that is say, all right, we tell that atheist to draw a circle on the paper that represents all there is to know about everything, and then we draw a little circle inside that circle and say, this is all that you know about everything, and then we say. Could it be that just that you don't necessarily not believe there's a God, but he may exist in this part of the world, the, the everything that you don't know about yet? Yeah. And so I'm just like, when I hear people say systemic racism is a myth, and that same person said, I don't believe in third, fourth, fifth, and sixth chances, and that takes away our whole transitional house That's ministry. Right. You know, all the forgiven felons that come out from prison to stay at our halfway houses they're all on their fifth, sixth, seventh, some of them hundredth chance. So, yeah. you know, how does that sit with you when people say systemic racism doesn't exist? It's a myth. Yeah. You know, I, um, I realize that uh, most of us uh, believe that our views and our perspectives are 100% correct. We, we think that our views are translucent, right. and so uh, there is no way it could be any other way. Uh, and, and so I, I understand that, uh, you know, and I pray to God uh, that we would come to the point of repentance. In our nation, I think that we rush so quickly to reconciliation that we just bypass truth. Mm. Mm, and it becomes yeah. alternative facts. You know, you have your truth, I have my truth. But, you know, one of us or both of us is wrong. And the reality is we have uh, glorified uh, individuals that have not seen people of different colors as human, yeah. as complete human. Yeah. And then we legislate those things. So, so we ratify it into our laws that... These individuals are a third of a person, you know, mm. or two thirds yeah. of a person. They're not, they're not actually a human being. And we don't understand that. I think there's a book called The Color of Compromise where it talks about how uh, religion has been complicit 
yeah. in oh, yeah. shaping yeah, yeah. Uh, these thoughts. And so it's very difficult for us to get past this. You know, I'm glad she brought up the, the disparity in sentencing. Yeah. You know, there is this uh, indignation that happens, I think, when uh, the majority culture sees a person of color receive uh, the same type of verdict that they would receive but they don't realize that it's the same. Yeah. I mean, you know, I ask my friends, if you didn't get upset about a young man uh, killing four people in an accident where he was intoxicated uh, and he received uh, affluenza, but you got upset when you saw the verdict that you didn't feel was just for O.J. Simpson, where was yeah, your indignation yeah. <laughs> when this happened? I know. I mean, so you can't. And then, you know, I have uh, a gentleman in my in my district whose son, uh, you know, was arrested and sentenced for evading the police. And this individual, his son, he called me. He was crying because and my heart goes out to him. His son didn't leave the country. He didn't even leave the county or the city and he was sentenced to 50 years in prison. Wow. Conversely, this gentleman that I said received uh, affluenza, he broke his probation, yep. left the city, the county, and the country. We spent all sorts of resources apprehending him, bringing him back. He stands again before the judge, and he's sentenced to two years. <laughs> I mean, you know... How is it that we can say that we believe in God yeah. when God says in Acts 17, verse 26, that he made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth? We are one. Yeah. And our challenge is trying to get back to that centerness right, right. of being that one. And I can't say, you're going to get this. And, uh, you know, my my children, my uh, grandchildren will get this. I'll, I'll say this. You know, I'm working hard to try, along with others, uh, to try to get parity, you know, in sentencing. Yeah. But what that means is, if I'm, let's say, I'm Anglo, and, you know, I've been sentenced to, you know, probation, two right. years probation, house arrest, and my uh, African-American or Hispanic uh, counterparts, same crime, uh, received, you know, 30 years. Uh, in order to get parity normally, you're going to meet in the middle. Mm -hmm. Well, most folks that are entitled are not going to want no. to meet in the middle. No. So then why don't we go with what God says? We, if we are a Judeo-Christian society then grace should be given equally uh, to all. I agree. I agree. You know, we have, like I said, the transitional houses, and we have men that apply uh, that are in prison. And so when, you know, I, I went to prison for five DWIs, you know, and so when I see men apply to the house that have those same five DWIs doing 99 years, and I look at the race, and they're black or they're Hispanic, you know, how yeah. come I got five? Right. And they got they got ninety nine. 
it just it breaks my heart. So, what, yeah. you know, you're you're working on the corrections committee. So, what are some things that you've done? I know you already worked hard on the air conditioned stuff, and yeah. and I know that there was probably there's some uh, there was some uh, flaws in the implementation of some of the uh, TDC units. But uh, what are some what's the what's the update on that? Are yeah. are are they getting some air conditioner for these units? And then uh, what are some other bills maybe you either shelved this past and are going to work on this next legislation and uh, or what, what, what's coming in the future? Yeah. The air condition issue is, is huge. Uh, we, uh, you know, only seem to be making some progress through the court system. Uh, and, and so that's helpful. Uh, but I just wish we had the same humanity uh, that we have with SPCA, right. that we absolutely. have with humans. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I, I spoke, and I'm grateful for the SPCA's endorsement. I, I spoke uh, to a group of board members and, and members, uh, and I told them in closing, they, they had a picture, and my press secretary, Rita Cook, uh, provided them a picture of my uh, son's dog, Virgo, uh, and uh, myself playing in the backyard, and and their dog is this um, this Siberian uh, husky, husky yeah. and dog. Uh, white dog, blue eyes, eyes. and uh, so we're playing in the backyard, and it made me think. You know, it's it's awesome how God gives you these metaphors to be able to share. I love their dog Virgo. They named him after their signs. <laughs> Both uh, my daughter-in-law and son are Virgos. Uh, but I said, now, if I took Virgo and placed him in a cage, and placed that cage in my garage in the summer, today's temperatures are supposed to reach 105. I didn't have to continue that right. before you know, I got gasp in the audience. I said, we're doing that and worse with humans. We're placing them in cages, and it's worse than my garage. Yeah. And so we, we really have to do something because I believe God is, I know God is going to hold us accountable because the first thing he says in Matthew 25, when he comes back, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was uh, sick, you, you visited me. When I was uh, naked, you clothed me. He says, when I was in prison. They said, when did we do these things to you? When you did it to the least of these yeah. is when you did it to me. Yeah. So, so that, you know, I will continue to work on Lord's will, and we will have success. Uh, and I know we're working on some other things uh, in, in regards to trying to get that done. Uh, secondly, uh, working on, uh, I'm going to go back to work on technical revocation, uh, which uh, was a bill that I introduced, I think, 3831, uh, where... HB 3831, where uh, this bill would prevent us from sending individuals back uh, for being late yeah. to their probation yeah, meeting, yeah, yeah. Uh, not being able to pay their, fee their fees. We are not supposed to have debtors uh, jail. Uh, and there are some who would argue we don't do that. But mm, they do. unfortunately, they do. it does happen, <laughs> yes. And, they do. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, dealing with guys coming out of prison and most of them being on parole i i've been you know being on being on parole for two years myself and working with these guys that come out of prison in our transitional house um i deal a lot with parole and i and i'm going to be honest with you i'm trying to make these guys productive citizens 
trying to help them reenter society and become productive citizens. But, but sometimes I feel like I'm battling against the parole officers. And one of those battles is always the uh, ankle monitor. Now, I understand third-party vendors throughout all of our prison system and parole system bring a lot of revenue to our system. And it's hard to make changes when the revenue is so good. I think in the, in the 13th Amendment, it might have been Brian Stevenson or somebody said, you'll never see real prison or criminal justice reform because the business side of it is so lucrative. That's right. So, but I feel like I'm battling. How can we... I think prison reform is... I know it's not a myth. I know there's been small steps taken, but how do we change the parole system where it seems like parole is really, truly trying to re rehabilitate. I mean, you got a guy on ankle monitor comes to our house and he just gets out. I'm bringing a, a van full of groceries from the food bank. And I asked him, I knew how they worked. So I asked him, I said, when you go in at 9 a.m. to your parole officer, ask them from 1230 to 1 if you can help me unload the van with groceries and bring them into the garage. And he texts me about 1030 and they said, and he said, they said, no, I can't. And I, I talked with the deputy director of parole for about an hour one day, and he I mean, he just did all but admit, you know, back when they first brought these ankle monitors on, you know, that they were just implemented to send people back to prison. And I asked him, I said, hey, do you take your trash out? Yes. Do you check the mail? Yes. Do you go in your garage and work sometimes? Yes. And, and I said, you do that because you're a productive citizen. And I said, but these are all things that our guys are told they can't do. When they get home from... From work, they put their thing and they're locked down. They can't go to the garage to work out. You know, we had an old man, 76 years old, 16 years in prison, gets out, veteran, and he's in shape. He's on ankle monitor. I come home one day and he's, he's running in the house back and forth. I said, what are you doing? He said, they won't let me go outside. They won't let me go to the, our garage where our, our stationary bicycle is. They won't let me do any exercise. And he said, my, my VA doctor said, I got to get some exercise because my heart's bad. Two months later, he's at the VA eating breakfast in the cafeteria, has a heart attack and dies. And I just wonder, you know, in prison, they, they get to go out to wreck, they get to work out in the yard, they get to, they get to stay in shape, but then they get here. And sometimes the, most guys call the ankle monitor the prison, the second prison. You don't really make parole, you just transfer from that prison to, to this prison. Yeah. And, I mean, is there any way in the future that that, that somehow that could change. I know there are guys that get out that need those ankle monitors, yeah. that, that lives are saved if they're, if they're that way. But, you know, in a, in a transitional home, in a group home, you know, the guys that are mowing the yard are like, hey, how come he doesn't get to have to mow the yard? Well, his parole officer says he can't go to outside and do yard work. Yes. What's another one you're working on? Any, you got any more in the, the you're going to come up? Yeah. What about earned uh, earned earned time credit? Yes. Uh, you know, we intend to fight for that again, uh, hoping we get. That was more. one that was shelved, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Hoping we get more That's support for that. That's an important one to a lot of people. It is, and, and we need you know uh, we need more oversight. Independent oversight. Right. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, and so uh, that's going to be important that uh, hopefully we make some, uh, that we successfully are able to create an independent ombudsman. Um, and that would it, be so good. Yeah. I think. Yeah. If you were given 
the opportunity, full power, full control, nobody telling you yes or no, you can't do this, to change one thing, one thing in our criminal justice system from judicial to prison to parole, and, and, and nobody can stop you from doing it, they're giving you full reign to change one thing, what would that thing be? Wow, Jay, that's, uh, I didn't expect that question. Uh, because I know there's many that need to be changed, but if one thing without question they would not stop you from doing, what would you prioritize? Hmm. I guess the uh, system, the prosecutory system, because there is this business model that's feeding the prison system. Yeah. And so I would, I would love to change how we assess what is successful and what is unsuccessful, uh, that we would make it more uh, of, a, of a system that I think we see in some other countries, right. that it is uh, based on really uh, righteousness as yeah. opposed to uh, numbers. Right. Yeah. I think sometimes it seems like they just want to make plea deals. Right. And I, and I think, you know, what makes that question extremely difficult for me is I, I see the system, the criminal justice system, as a system that has cancer throughout mm. the body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what you've asked me is, which part do you address? And uh, I know then that there are going to be other parts that are going to die that are going to you know, I just can't. Yeah. And I guess that's really, I mean, the heart of your question uh, gets to is that as a uh, Texas House member, there's only so much you can do. Yeah, yeah, so, so good. And you just pray to God that uh, the Lord will change the hearts of men. We, you know, we have so many that are uh, dying and infected by uh, the coronavirus in TDCJ. Yeah, and uh, almost 9,000, I think, uh, inmates have tested positive. Yeah. Uh, can't remember how many employees have tested positive. Yeah, uh, almost I think 1,500, 1,600, maybe. Uh, yeah, 1,900. Yeah, 1,900 employees. Yeah, you know, one of the things that's affecting parole and reentry with COVID is IDs. Guys are getting out. We have two in our transitional house right now. Hmm. that are not able to get an official ID, a state ID. Now, they have their prison ID, which is considered an official state ID, but a lot of jobs are not taking that ID, and that's what I think is wrong. That's what I would change right now is this season that we're in, they, 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 set, a, uh, they set an appointment to get their state ID, you know, with the, the DMV. The earliest appointment they have is September. Really? So right now, they can't get an official state ID um, and, and thank God for banks like, well, there's certain banks that will take their prison ID, certain banks that won't. And I hate that because I walked one of our parolees into, just out of prison, into one of the banks that I, that I use, and they said, no, we won't take his prison ID. And I felt embarrassed because I, right. you know, I walked him in there thinking I was doing him a favor, and I had to walk out of there. And, and there's very few banks that will even take that, take that, that prison ID. Um, so I think that's something that, that needs to be addressed somehow, some way, because some, most jobs won't take those prison IDs. They need a Texas state ID. Uh, and I don't know how we can get 
jobs to, to say, look, this is an official, even though it's their prison ID, it's an official state government issued ID, and you need to be able to take that so they can start working. Yeah. Because, I mean, they could, two of our guys, both of them could start working today if they had some other ID other than their prison ID. I didn't realize that, but I will look into it. I, I was not aware of that, but uh, certainly it would seem to me if it's an official state ID and that's all they have, it ought to be uh, something that's accepted. Uh, so uh, I definitely will look into that. You know, you said you you didn't know, and uh, you know, uh, your heart is big, and uh, I know that that was hard. You said, you know, you felt bad uh, when you brought him in. That made me think about your initial question about uh, uh, sort of white fragility or, or right. uh you know, uh, not believing that there is uh, systemic racism yeah. in our system. Uh, there, there was a movie. It was uh, remember the Titans. You remember mm -hmm. that? Oh yeah. Movie. Uh, Denzel Washington was the coach, and there is a scene in this movie that I don't think I'll ever forget until I start forgetting. Uh, but in this scene. Uh, the quarterback that he becomes a starting quarterback from California. Yeah, the, sunshine. Sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Long blonde hair. And uh, they are celebrating because I think they're getting ready to go to the state championship. And, and you know, sunshine doesn't see color. Right. Because uh, he's not from, I guess it was North Carolina or somewhere. Uh, yeah. But uh, they're walking down the street. It's at night after a great victory. And he tells the star running back and uh, one of the offensive linemen, and they want to go into this restaurant bar. Yeah. And he says, no, we can't go in there. He says, oh, no, Petey, it's, it's okay. It's okay. I think Petey was the running right. back. Yeah. And uh, he says, things have changed. And so they go in reluctantly with him. And as soon as they walked in, the bar owner comes to them and says, you are not allowed in here. If you want to get something to eat, you can go around the back. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, Sunshine didn't know, what is he talking about? Right. And, and so they're, you know, he gets, uh, he threatens them. Right. And so they leave out uh, the black team members. They know what's going on, and they quickly leave out. And Petey says, or one of the uh, offensive linemen is upset with Sunshine. Yeah. He says, why did you do it? We told you. Yeah. He said, I didn't know, but we told yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where we are as a nation, I yes, think. Yes, yes. You know, African Americans and people of color, you know, when we saw the eight minutes and 46 seconds of George Floyd being killed, we've seen that yeah. for many years. Right. And we've said that. But, you know, white America sometimes sees that as an aberration. Yeah. That's not an anomaly. Right. It happens across this nation. It's just not video of it. Right. Will Smith said it's not as though yeah. racism has increased. It's just that we've got more video now. So true. And I pray to God that we have a social consciousness and not do what so often is done is the mindset says when they see something like that, they have to justify right. that the officer, maybe there was some provocation there that that individual brought that on themselves instead of saying maybe maybe I was wrong maybe the cowboys weren't the heroes maybe the Indians mm, were so good wow
But we've changed the narrative. And because of that, it's so hard for us to, to remove monuments that represent hate. You know, I was telling my press secretary, Rita, the other day, and I hope and pray I didn't offend her. She didn't tell me I did, so I'm assuming I didn't. Rita's white, and and we've known each other for many years. I mean, uh, so much so that, uh, you know, at one event, we joke about it, but we were at a dinner event, and it was, I was there on official capacity and she's my press secretary but they said uh they announced her as my friend (laughs) (laughs) but but one of the one of the things that i shared with her i said you know what rita you know if we were if we were brother and sister biologically uh and you know we grew up in the same house and you know we had an uncle who you know he just adored you and he showered you with gifts, and, you know, growing up, he was at all the birthday parties. He knew your birthday, and when he came over, I'm your brother. He never, he never did any of those things for me. And you graduated from high school. He bought you a car, and, and he sent you to college. He never did any of those things for me. I had to. If I was going to go to college, I had to do that myself. And I said, all those years, everybody loved him. He was their favorite uncle. But what they didn't know is that that uncle molested me. Mm. That uncle abused me. When, when we would go over to his house, because our parents let us go over to his house, they would take Rita to the different places, Brahms and things like that, but I would have to stay at home and clean the house. Mm. When he got home, he was never satisfied with how the house looked. And so I would get whooped and sometimes, most times, sent to bed with no meal. I said, and then Uncle Sam dies. And when Uncle Sam dies, you want to put up, they want to name a park after Uncle Sam. They want to put up monuments after Uncle Sam. They want to name schools after Uncle Sam. And I'm sitting there. Every time I have to pass that statue of mm. Uncle Sam, I have to see that park and try to take my kids to that park and not remember what Uncle Sam did to me. Wow. And you're telling me to get over it? Yeah. You weren't there when he raped me. Yeah. You received all the good things that Uncle Sam had to give, but I didn't. In fact, Uncle Sam did everything in his power to make sure that I wouldn't even survive much less breathe. So, you know, I just pray to God that this is the moment yeah. that America says, you know, we're one, and we're going to believe you. Uncle Sam is dead and gone, but we're going to believe you. We're not going to be like that mother who denies right. that her daughter has been raped yeah, just yeah, because yeah. she wants to hold on to the man that she has or she thinks she has. Right, yeah. So thank you, Jay, for all the work that you do with forgiven felons. Uh, consider me an ally. Consider the work that we do together yeah. as work to change lives and transform not just the state of Texas, but hopefully be the leader yeah. for changing our criminal justice system and our prison system and our police culture in this in this country. Well, and I'm, I'm uh, letting you know that that you have the full support of forgiven felons 
and that we are an ally for you and anything you ever need us to speak out on or stand by you with, uh, you just let us know. Thank you. Thank All you. Right. One last uh, question. Uh, two real quick questions. Who's your favorite football team? <laughs> well, Dallas Cowboys are because, you know, I'm, I'm from Dallas. Right. It used to be the Minnesota Vikings when I was a kid until uh, Roger Starvak threw that Hail Mary. And I had lunch with Roger a few years ago at his favorite restaurant, and I shared with him that story, how he really crushed me as a kid. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I eventually came over. <laughs> last question. Uh, can you give me a pardon? <laughs> uh, thanks thank you so much you for deserve taking time one. out of the out of your day and uh we appreciate everything you do and we hope to uh keep you in office for a very long time because we know that your heart is in corrections and and all those other things too but uh we know that you're you have our best interests at heart so thank you very much thank you jay gum i appreciate you wow so much to unpack with this interview Man, I can't thank uh, Representative Sherman enough for spending time with me to discuss what's going on in Austin. If you live in District 109, man, his office is so accessible, and everyone who works there is just amazing. All right, so first, if you don't know about Reginald Moore and what all he uncovered, you should really Google him and check him out if you want to know more about the bills being worked on uh, by Representative Sherman and his team. We'll have uh, some of the links on the show notes at ForgivenFelons.org background check. You know, one of the things I loved about our interview is, you know, he's a pastor as well, and he weaves his Christianity into his political point of view. And and I love that he takes his position uh, in Austin with correction seriously. So did you hear the sirens in the background? <laughs> it, would, it seemed like they went on forever. When I was doing the interview, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, okay, when are they going to go away? We were right there in old downtown Lancaster. I could have edited them out a little bit. Uh, I mean, sort of. I didn't really know how to do it exactly, but I thought it was cool. And uh, plus, he was making a pretty intense point, so I didn't want to mess that up. You know, um, so one of the bills I'm glad he's working on is the technical violation bill. You'd be surprised how many people are sent back uh, to prison or to SafePi or ISF for six months just for small violations. You know, they, they don't really call those places prison anymore, but that's exactly what they are. You know, they say we don't send, like he said, they don't, they, they'll tell you we don't send them back to prison for technical violations anymore. And because of the way they word it, they're correct because they don't call those places prison. But they do send them to ISF and SafePi for technical violations. You know, at these places, you have a prison ID, you wear white, you sleep in a prison bed inside of a prison building and eat prison food. So for them not to call that prison is just ridiculous. And, you know, it's sad that he said the only way they're making headway with the AC units is through the courts. I mean, come on, man. I mean, we're talking about on some units, you know, and one of the things people talk about the private prisons and how they're for-profit you know, let me just tell you right now, every prison, state or private, is a for-profit prison. The state prison is the biggest for-profit prison. In fact, they're the umbrella. They're making money off the private prisons. The private prisons actually uh, treat the inmates a lot better than the state, the state prisons. You know, all, all the private prisons have air conditioning. And, yeah, they, they skimp on some food and different things because, you know, they're – they're trying to make a profit. 
But man, you know, the air conditioning thing is huge. And TDCJ messed it up last summer. They were they were supposed to send a bunch of elderly people to these private prisons with air conditionings, and they didn't do it. And they said they did, and they got in trouble. Uh, we talked a little bit about that, I think, uh, off off camera or off off recorder. But you know, he said the only way they're making any kind of headway is through the courts, and that is sad, you know. And he talks about how. You know, he, he, he relates it to the SPCA and how we treat our dogs that mess up or that nobody wants better than the humans. And, you know, I love that story, you know, because would you take your dog after he messed up, put him in a cage, and keep him in the garage during the summer? You wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it. And if you would, you're a jerk. But, you know, we that's what we do to humans, you know. Then he, he related our system as having cancer in the whole body, and we're just trying to figure out which part to cut out. Man, he is so right. But there's so many that think there's nothing wrong with our system and that change is not needed. I see a lot of people changing their tune with me after one of their own gets into trouble. All of a sudden, their loved one is innocent and our system is corrupt. I love the reference to Remember the Titans and the sunshine scene because – Sunshine just didn't know, you know, he, he really didn't know. He thought everywhere was like where he was from, you know, but they were trying to tell him, they were trying to say, man, look, you don't understand. This is how it is. And he just didn't believe him. He's like, no, come on. It's going to be all right. I, I lived as a kid in South Dallas and I remember going to private school and not having any kids of color, maybe a Hispanic kid or two, but you know, we lived at Hampton in Illinois. If you're from Dallas, you know where that is. You know, there wasn't anybody in our neighborhood that looked like the people at our school. And, you know, in high school, we had three black students. Then I went to a liberal arts college in Kansas, and I saw so much diversity. Then I began to get in trouble and see the awful racial disparity in our system from the other side, from the law-breaking side. But, but let me tell you this. I experienced so much privilege because I was white and behind bars but I saw so many people of color get higher bail than me for the same thing. You know, my bail was low enough to bail out with money in my pocket. Somebody with the same charge, you know, had five times higher bail and they didn't have anybody that could pay. So they would sit in there longer sentences than me, you know, and I was happy back then uh, for myself, but it saddens me to know that it's never changed. So many people that haven't spent real time on the other side of the justice system try to say that racism doesn't exist in our judicial system. You don't know. You haven't been there. Yes, most people, I mean, the innocent rate, uh, they estimate that, you know, they estimate um, anywhere from 1% to 5% of people incarcerated are, are, are innocent. So there are a lot of people that are innocent. In prison, we've had Richard Miles on episode two. You know, we're going to have Steve Cheney and some more. But there are there are people, a lot of people, in prison, and they're innocent. And most people that don't think the system is broken haven't spent real time, and you just don't know. You haven't been there. You you might have a criminal justice degree, but that piece of paper doesn't make you more knowledgeable than someone that has experienced it firsthand. There are so many things that happen in our system that that don't make it to the stats that you like to throw around. Stats don't tell the whole story. They only tell a part of the story.
the part of the Jacob Blake and Kyle Rittenhouse story that will never make it to the stats is that they both had a weapon. Kyle's weapon was carried illegally. One was trying to break up a fight in his neighborhood. The other was inciting fights. The police were surrounding them both. Kyle walked right up beside several police vehicles carrying an, in, an illegal gun or carrying a weapon illegally right after he shot two people and not one police officer ever gave him a second look. He now, now, listen, he'd already shot at somebody else before he shot the two that, you know, in, in what some people are calling self-defense. You know, when they knocked him to the ground and he shot and he killed those two people, you know, they're saying that's self-defense. But he had already shot the gun, and that's why he was running away, and that's why people were running after him. So he was already instigating. The other guy was, was trying to break up a fight in his neighborhood. He was fought to the ground, tased, and then shot seven times in the back. Yes, he should have obeyed the orders. Yes, Kyle shouldn't have been carrying a weapon illegally. But why did one get treated one way and the other one get arrested peacefully? I, you know the answer. To wrap it up, I'm going to leave you with something Carl said. He said, in the end, it's, it's what we do for others that will determine our outcome. Then he said, we're all going to live forever. We are essentially just walking each other home. Where that home is will, is will be determined how we live here. So I have a question for you. Do you know where you're going to spend life after death? If you're not sure, shoot me an email, text or call. Go to forgivenfelons.org at the contact page. Get my cell phone number and email address, and we can talk about it. So I want to end with a prayer for Representative Carl. Father, in Jesus' name, I just lift our governing authority up to you. Lord, I thank you that I was able to sit down across with someone who may not have the same worldview, political view, but we have the same Christianity view. We know that there's only one way to heaven. I thank you for Carl. I, I pray you give him wisdom as he leads the committees he's on, that he, as he leads District 109, I pray you give him the, the, the clarity and the vision and, the, and the, the time to answer questions from people that want answers. Father, I pray over him in every way for his family, for protection, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. I pray for his church. I lift him up. And we just ask you to uh, give him wisdom as he goes forth and tries to make headway in, in, in corrections in corrections. Thank you, Lord, for the time that we had with him. And I lift up everybody out there, especially the ones that don't know you. I pray that maybe they will. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll see you on the next episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes on the website, forgivenfelons.org forward slash background check. And uh, you'll see all the links. Uh, Representative Sherman's social media accounts are on there. Uh, I'll put a link to a couple of the bills that he's working on. Thank you for listening to the show, this episode. Share it, rate us, review, and spread the word. Love y'all. See you on the next episode. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast, brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with a past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.